Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is episode 71. Today, my guests are Ogre and Dallas Campbell. Uh, They were on about 30 episodes ago now. It was crazy. I thought it was less time than that, and I was like holding this episode off, going like, oh, I don't want to put the you know, the same guests so close together. And then I looked at it and it's like, oh, wow, no, they actually haven't been on since like episode 40 or 41 or something. Anyways, they're cool guys. They did a cool uh, collaboration called Beyond the Infinite, which we are going to talk about and also touch on some of the stuff that they released in between last time and this time. And it's a fun chat. So I hope you dig it. Uh, As always, Beyond Synth is brought to you by DownToJam.com, a free website that helps musicians around the world connect based on musical compatibility. If you're a musician looking for a partner to jam with or to fill a spot in your band, you're going to want to check out this site and sign up today. DownToJam.com, that's D-O-W-N-T-O-J-A-M.com. Go make some fucking music. That is not their catchphrase. <laughs> that has not been endorsed by Down to Jam. Uh, the interview today is actually the majority of the show, so we'll just listen to a few songs, do the Patreon, and then we will go to the interview. So how about we listen to a track? This is a track by Danger Mode, and this is Elimination.
And that was Elimination by Danger Mode off the Activation album. Hope you guys are having a lovely day. If you want your music featured on Beyond Synth, you can reach out to me at facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast. That's one way to reach me. You can also reach me on Twitter. I am at Andy Last on Twitter and also soundcloud.com slash beyond hyphen synth. That's where the shows get posted and uh, that's where you can message me, man. You can send me links to your music and if you have any questions or comments, uh, you can send me messages the exact same way. Just title the message Mail Sack and occasionally we have a Mail Sack segment where people uh, write in and ask questions. Uh, As you know, Beyond Synth has a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash beyond synth it's a way that you can donate and help out the show and uh, now we are going to go to the patreon now and check out my lovely donors This is the Beyond Synth Patreon. So as always, I want to thank Project Friday and Brendan Kellum and Lucas Ceballos and Kai. Oh, I should point out this. I was pronouncing this dude's name wrong, and then someone sent me a message saying, here's how you pronounce Ceballos. And then he told me just the other day that it wasn't him that sent me that. (laughs) So... Some other person decided to correct my pronunciation. I'm assuming another person with the last name Sebios, and I deleted the message, so I can't go back and figure out who it was. I think I have an idea. Thanks to Kai, Lunar Baboon, Knox Bello, Girls with Tails, Terrence Thompson, Nathan Winter, Zikarax, Eric Valerio, and a new donor this week, Tomas. I think that's how you say it when it's got the weird symbols over the A and the S. So thank you, Tomas for your lovely donation. Now moving up to my lovely $5 donors. You guys, you're the real stars. There's Joe and Lando. Thanks very much, guys. They host a podcast you should check out called The Ozone Nightmare and also Ozone Late Night. And of course, there's Florence Bullock. Hi, Florence. Hope you're having a lovely day because uh, I know I am. And Joey, you know, this whole time I've been calling Joey Bergeron, like Tom Bergeron from uh, America's Funniest Home Videos, but it, he's Cajun, in fact. So it is Joey Bergeron, I believe. That's why I'm going to say it from now on unless I am corrected again. So thanks, Joey Bergeron. You know, Joey makes websites and uh, we are collaborating on something. Very early stages of something. It's pretty stupid to actually even mention it because it probably won't be finished for years. But if it does, if, if, if it does, if it does, if it does get done, it's going to be something pretty cool. Uh, not just for the podcast, but for the uh, synth scene. I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much for your donation, Roman. Uh, you're a cool guy, Roman. Uh, Yep. <laughs> and Zerg's music. Again, I you know, I have trouble pronouncing this because it's X R Y Z music. And uh, I reached out to him and he said that he doesn't even know how it's pronounced. So there you go. There is no right way to say it, so I'm gonna keep calling it Zerg's. Although someone did mention to me that it looks like it's just X-rays without the A. So maybe that's what it's supposed to be. X-rays. X-rays. Alright, you know what? I'm not calling it Zerg's music anymore. I'm calling it X-rays. X-rays. 
And Sebastian SW, thank you. You are a cool guy as well. And still no confirmation on the pronunciation of this dude's last name, but it is Philip Huberger until further notice. So thanks, Philip. Uh, it means a lot to me. And we got some new donors this week. This is I feel like I'm one of those auctioneers. <laughs> like I'm trying to make this segment go as quickly as possible now, but there's a lot of people donating. So thank you, Devious Raven. You're a cool guy, Devious Raven or gal. Guy? Guy, probably, right? <laughs> Thanks, Devious Raven. Let me know if you're a guy or a girl. <laughs> so I can, Not that it matters. Uh, it's just I would not want to call you the wrong thing. I do not want to insult my lovely donors. I want to honor them and thank them for their support. And, of course, Bobby B. Thanks, Bobby B. She's been a big fan of the show for a long time and I appreciate Bobby B listening to the show and donating to the show, making the show a better place for you and me uh, thanks Bobby and Devious Raven new donors, you guys are cool and uh, that's pretty much all I know about that but before we go anywhere, don't forget my lovely $10 donors man these guys are the cream of the crop All right, these are cool characters and I think I owe them a video because <laughs> as it says on Patreon, if you donate to 10 bucks i gotta make a, a thank you video but i'm away from my equipment for a few weeks so that is that will be coming at some point and that will be for trevor resnick and jake last these guys are cool characters it might seem like jake is related to me but i don't believe that he is and trevor resnick is not related to me but maybe he is. I don't know what that means. I sort of... <laughs> towards the end of this segment, I always run out of steam. I want to thank everybody for donating to the show. It means a lot to me if we can get towards some of those goals. Maybe not an auctioneer. I sound like those people on public broadcasting where they do the fundraisers. That's what I sound like, especially when I start talking about reaching goals. <laughs> if we reach the goals, you all get a special scarf for the Beyond Simp logo. That's not true. That's not true. Uh, but uh, we... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, I thank you guys very much for your donations. Let's listen to another song, all right? This is St. Samuel off the Carousel album. And this is a cool song. I get some sort of Jare vibes from this one. This is Machines That See and Feel.
That was Machines That See and Feel by Saint Samuel. That's a cool track. I dig that one. So how about this, man? I think we've done all the business. Let's go to my chat now with Ogre and Dallas Campbell, and I hope you enjoy yourselves. All right. I might need to speak louder because I've got a real bad mic. I'm using a Shure SM57. I'm using a Shure SM7B. I'm using the 57. Or wait, I'm using a 57A beta. Sure. Uh, you've got the nice, the nice mic. Yeah. Well. It's all about the voice that's talking into it, man. That's all that matters. (laughs) Technically, my mic is the superior of your guys' mics, but it's I don't have the I don't have the Dallas voice. Dallas does have the coolest voice. I do have a nice mic around here somewhere. Well, no, those are still good mics. The ones you're using, like those are. Yeah. When I was on my mic hunt, I was like. Don't say that too fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you know I had a uh, when I was in primary school? I had a teacher whose name was Mike Hunt. You can yeah. be a teacher and have that name. I had, there was another one called Dick Hunt as well, which was <laughs> nice. I like that. The Dick so. Hunt. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's start the show. <laughs> All right, so I am here with Ogre, aka Robin Ogden, and Dallas Campbell. Hello, hi there. I like having you guys on. You guys keep up with these cool partnerships you've been doing, and uh, we're going to talk about all the stuff that happened between last episode and this one, which was, and I bet you by the time this thing airs, there'll be even more shit that's come out. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Because uh, I think last time we talked was All Hallows was the thing that you guys worked on. And then since then, of course, Dallas, you came out with City One, Ogre finally released Calico Noir, (laughs) and then you guys teamed up on this Beyond the Infinite And I think even by the time this airs, I have a funny suspicion there's going to be something else. (laughs) Possibly. So uh, what what have you guys been doing, Dallas? What have you been up to? Well, yeah, I guess I did do the City One thing. Trying to... When the heck was that? All Hallows. Okay. Yeah, well, we we had recorded... We had recorded 2001... Beyond the Infinite. Before that, but we couldn't talk about it, right? Right, yes. We kept on... The whole interview was full of... Sneaky references to some yes, secret project. Yes, yes, yes. And you'd been you'd been privy to it before. Yeah, well, it was ridiculous that you guys managed to sit on it for a year. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's true to form with Robin because Calico Noir was the same deal. Like you sent that to me a year ago. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> before it even had the name it has. And he's got an entire stockpile of, <laughs> of albums. <laughs> yeah, yeah I have like something like three albums and four or five soundtracks that are just sat doing nothing at the moment. He's, but. He is a machine. He's ridiculous. Yeah, it's awesome being uh, privy to all this stuff because, I mean, I remember last year, you know, you guys sent over the 2001 and I watched it with the movie. Ooh. And uh, it was awesome. And I'm like, well, can't wait for other people to hear this. And then... <laughs> Not for a long, long time, but it's a pretty fucking cool album. I was, uh, thank I, you. I was walking around outside listening to it today as well. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yeah. So I don't really have any questions today. We're just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's my job to fucking guide things along, but like, uh, what have you guys been doing in your lives? 
Has it just all been music, Robin? What have you been up to? Pretty much just writing music, doing a lot of stuff with Dallas. What else? Lots of game soundtracks recently. I'm working on two this month. And licensing. Lots of licensing music, but I'm not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> but who knows? We might be able to talk about it in a month or something. That seems to be the uh, the through line with talking to you is always stuff that you can't talk about. I know. It's terrible. It's all be- <laughs> The worst thing is, like, you know, people get in touch and they're like, oh, would you like to do music for this or whatever? And I'm like, yeah, of course, that'd be brilliant. And they're like, well, you can't talk about it. Sign this NDA and that's it. <laughs> can't talk about it with anyone, which sucks. But yeah, who knows if they'll still be available. But we've just got some cool All Hallows cassettes done. Came through the post today and Dallas will be getting his this week probably I think nice and they look awesome so if they're still around people can check them out (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean they might be who knows who did the duplications we're releasing them with a label called Spun Out Sounds the cassette series is called Spun Out Sounds I think the label's called Spun Out of Control uh, with a guy called Gavin who's been awesome so yeah we're real real excited for that to come out so did you then release the album under that label or that label's just involved in the physical copy we've just licensed them for the album to do on cassette that's awesome yeah we're gonna start going through some tracks here so um we're gonna talk about city one for a second because uh, city one was really cool that was dallas campbell and it's kind of like a retro gritty soundtrack kind of vibe and it's really cool i don't know i'm curious to see what your perspective is on what your the story is because i do get a clear sense you know from the track titles and even the way that the songs sound mm-hmm. that there is some plot i'll tell you what i think the plot is okay yeah. i'm gonna i'm looking it up now I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the album up i remember like because dallas sent it me and like it, it's awesome it's an awesome album but you never told me the story dallas I, i'll tell you what i think it is okay yeah, yeah. uh but we're gonna listen to a track first and this is one i really dug and it's called Bad Trip, which I think is my favorite track on the album. It's always difficult picking and choosing tracks from a soundtracky kind of album. Yeah, it would be because weird. Because obviously yeah. the point of it is you listen to the whole thing, but so I usually try and pick out the kind of tracks that sort of stand out as a bit more like song-like, mm-hmm. for better yeah. words, you know, like just... <laughs> but uh, this is a cool song. This is Bad Trip by Dallas Campbell.
All right, and that was Bad Trip by Dallas Campbell, and I'm here today with Dallas Campbell and Ogre Robin Ogden, because they do lots of cool partnerships with each other, but we're going to talk about City One. So here's my perspective on this. It's sort of like a Death Wish-type movie, but with a paranormal aspect. That's what I picture when I listen to your music. So it's like, it's a gritty kind of 70s thing. Like, they're driving around big, fat, like, 70s cars. Uh-huh. And there's a dude going on, like, a revenge mission. Maybe, for whatever reason, he's got, like, a handgun and stuff. <laughs> but then he finds out that his family was taken by some weird cult. Okay, okay. And towards the end, you find out that that cult does, in fact, like, have... They have, like, you know... magical abilities like subtle ones right right. so the first half of the movie you don't know that this magical element is coming so maybe he's like trying to find his kidnapped daughter or something right and he's like driving around the city like following the suspects and shit right and then he finds out that it goes deeper than that and then it gets weirder (laughs) right and then he ends up in one of those like shootouts where he's like blowing away a bunch of dudes in cloaks (laughs) yeah 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 you are you're very very close actually I'm surprised (laughs) you you're almost dead on. It is all of that, but it's centered around the cult doesn't take his, a family member. He's trying to get back to the cult because he has some a weird drugged out experience when he's in the city. And he's trying to get back there because he, it had made him have, you know, visions of clarity about, okay. you know, reality and stuff. So he's trying to get back to that point. And then all of that stuff you said is pretty much that. <laughs> But you were, like, right on about all the rest of the stuff. Well, I think you really nailed this vibe that when I'm listening to that, you know, I like these kind of soundtrack-style albums because they do make me use my imagination. But Mm -hmm. I feel like just with the sounds you used, I just got that gritty... It's funny, too, because sometimes I'll say that to people, and they're like, oh, no, this thing's totally science fiction or whatever. But this one, (laughs) I feel like it's gritty 70s. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And uh, Bad Trip was definitely... I think you and I spoke before about this song because I when I listened to this song I suggested that what it conjured in my mind was a car following another car yes yeah and then you said that that was originally the title for it or that, that <laughs> they were switched or something right yeah that that when I, I kind of laid had the story in my mind and that song originally was the car kind of chase scene but I switched it out with something else because there is a track called follow that car yeah it's it was those two they were switched before and I and I ended up switching them at the end because that's totally what I pictured like when I listen to bad trip I'm picturing that fucking 70 and it's like you've got these dash cam shots where they put the yeah. camera in the car yeah. that you, so it films the big fat like 70s hood and the headlights yeah. following yeah. another car like through the city or whatever like yeah uh, that's great that that, that that you got that from from it because that is what I was thinking about yeah I, I used a big nasty mixing board and I recorded a lot of the stuff through the through the preamps and that thing. And it just sounds gross. So that, that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds like a big pile of dirt. So that uh, that's awesome that it, you can hear that. I'm surprised. <laughs> I love, I do, I love the tone of that that album. That mixing desk was a good find. Yeah, yeah, it was like thirty bucks. <laughs> so I, I got a question though, because there's something that happens at the end of one of the songs, and it sounds like the beat sort of glitches. And I was wondering, like, how much of this you were recording live, and if it was intentional. 
Because there's a track called 15th and Carson. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't know if you remember, but at the end of that track, the beat does like a thing. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out, was like, was he just doing this track like live and that was sort of like, I'll, <laughs> I'll keep this in or was that intentional? Yeah. yeah, no, most of that album is me just going for it live. <laughs> so a lot of the stuff that happens is just like, oh crap, oh, that sounds cool. <laughs> the story of my life <laughs> yeah it sounds you know you're like oh fuck it got it one out of time you know something happened you're like ah that's that's kind of cool that way happy <laughs> <laughs> accident so like, yeah that's pretty much what that album every song is pretty much like that <laughs> i see that you were selling some things and like acquiring new things so like how's your uh, <laughs> how's yeah. your uh, zone of keyboards it's too crowded it's way too crowded i'm still just, i'm still trying to sell some things so what's uh, the criteria for putting things on the the chopping block well i don't know <laughs> it's uh I, i'm i'm very attached to just certain ones and another i guess if i haven't used it in you know in like two projects then i take a good hard look at it and i've, I've matured to the point where i can let things go now there was yeah, a time there was a long, many years where i couldn't sell anything that was older than like 92 i was having that same issue with my old video game systems yeah, oh, I, yeah. I went through that phase with that as well i did video. end up selling them i've kept two things that are literally just for nostalgia and i feel like i will get rid of them but like i had a super nintendo and a 64 i like i had a green 64 Oh, nice. The, the Donkey Kong one. Oh, and yeah. um, I've been holding on to these things for so long, and I'm like, honestly, I just, you know, you can play them with emulators. If I really want a GoldenEye fix, I can get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This year, I finally just, I sold it all. Sold the 64. <laughs> oh, my God. I said this thing. <laughs> Someone, uh, <laughs> I, th- well, I think it was Rick Shithouse, because I, I made a comment, basically, that... For me, I'm more attached to, I'm going to say, the art itself rather than the delivery system. That's the way I'll word this. So, you know, there's a lot of people in the scene who are very attached to VHS and stuff like that, which is fine. I'm not, I can't fault, you know, if that's what you like, that's what you like. Me, personally, it's the film I like. Yeah. And not necessarily how I watched it when I was younger. So, I like watching Scarface in HD. It's very vibrant and awesome, and the sound is good, and I don't have to switch tapes halfway through. <laughs> so <laughs> I get point. it. Like, I get that there's people who just dig the, the VHS vibe, and that's fine. But So I, I'm starting to apply that thinking to you know, video games and stuff as well. And honestly, like, you, know, you can play these old games with a, on an emulator where you've got all of them there and you can use the PlayStation controller and the experience of putting a cartridge in the machine is nostalgic but it's not the reason why I like the games and in many cases with the old Nintendo the fucking you had to blow on it and it didn't work <laughs> yeah and I know there's some people who I think mistakenly think that that's part of the nostalgia of like, oh, remember when you had to blow on the carts? And like, <laughs> yeah, it was fucking annoying. I wanted to play the game, and the game wouldn't work because I had to blow on it. Like, it was yeah, stupid. that's terrible. And then you sh- the damn shit when you had to save the game, and then it would be do the blinking thing. And you you remember how you had to hold reset to power it off. Then it would erase your game your game when it would do the blinking on and off thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no there, you you shouldn't play original Nintendo games on Nintendo. It's just senseless. <laughs> well. The issue I have, too, with N64 is 
of all the systems, it looks awful if you plug an N64 <laughs> into a new TV. Like, it actually looks yeah, it worse yeah. than it makes sense to look. Like, you actually... <laughs> like, you need an old tube-style... Sti- uh, tube-style TV. Uh, you need a TV. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Hunt. Uh, you need... Um, you need an old tube uh, television or else it just doesn't look good. And there's some emulators that actually make the N64 game, like... You can play it in HD. Like, it, it makes all the polygons nice and crisp. That's cool. Yeah. The text still looks like shit. So, like, it's all weird and pixelated, but, like, the game itself. And so, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate the argument to the contrary that it seems sacrilege. Like, if you're going to play Goldeneye, use an N64 controller. But, you know, those weren't great controllers. Like, the analog <laughs> stick would always fill up with white powder, and chances they are... They sucked. After, <laughs> after they a sucked. month... They yeah, were, it was terrible. I always would just get new uh, ones. You know, we just, like, end up selling my old ones to somebody else and then just get another controller. Like, anyway. Yeah. Have we talked about this, like, three three times before? Probably. We always, <laughs> we always talk about N64. Like, always. <laughs> this is the same damn conversation we have every time. Goes like, perfect, like, N64. Yeah. Every damn time. <laughs> it's good content. All right. Let's listen to a track. <laughs> uh, we're going to uh, jump back and forth. So, Ogre, we're going to talk about Calico Noir. Okay. And we're going to listen to my favorite song on this one, which is the track number one, which is awesome. I played it several times on the show. Uh, this is Hard Boiled by Ogre.
And that was Hard Boiled by Ogre off the album Calico Noir. And I'm here today with Ogre, a.k.a. Robin Ogden, and Dallas Campbell. So, Robin, talk to me about Calico Noir. You wrote this thing 10 Ages years ago. ago. <laughs> <laughs> I literally listened... I listened to this album while building the robot costumes for the scene that I shot a year ago. Yep. Like, it was your music that was, like, fueling the building, and I haven't made anything since then. And, uh... Would you finish that thing? I want to. Do it. Still going. I got more, like, there's more stuff that's built. It's just I can't... I just can't fucking negotiate the schedule of doing it. Anyway, but... We'll talk about that another time. Robin, talk to me about Calico Noir. <laughs> Where'd the title come from? A conversation with you, I think. Mm. Actually, because originally <laughs> it was just going to be Calico Braun 2, and then we agreed that that didn't feel right. Yeah, so. I think when you sent it to me, like, it was awesome, but it's very much, like, Calico Braun is an album. Yeah, it's an album album, and Calico Noir is a faux soundtrack. So yeah, exactly, like, yeah. Yeah, they're different beasts, but... I mean, originally it was supposed to just be a straight follow-up to Calico Braun, but that didn't happen. <laughs> so, what was your intention, though? Like when you sat down and said, "I'm going to do Calico Braun too," did you start out by writing kind of song-like tracks, and then it morphed into a soundtrack album, or was it always this? It was always that. That's just how it came out. I don't know why particularly. Well, I kind of do. That hard-boiled, that first track. That's like it was supposed to be like echoing. The first track off Calico Braun, which is always outnumbered, never outrun. Mm. I love my puns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to have like similar bass, and I, I guess it does. But then it kind of evolved, and I'm more into soundtracks, I guess, than albums overall. And I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a hard one to talk about because I wrote this what end of 2014, start of 2015 was when I wrote it. Yeah, by the time this episode airs, it'll be like the 10th anniversary of when yeah. you started writing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's still sort of inspired by Michael Mann stuff. Mm-hmm. Calico Braun was more like Miami Vice and sort of television serial stuff, I guess. And then, I guess this is still to an extent, but it's basically more Manhunter, his Manhunter movie. Yes, I can see from the um, uh, <laughs> the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who did the uh, cover? That was Face Sims, my lady partner friend. She did the cover art. I, lo- I love the cover art. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's great. We we were kind of unsure at the time, but then, like, I don't know. I think it, it works really well with that album. So, Calico Braun now is really the only sort of, like, album-y album albumy album albumy album <laughs> that you've ever sort of done like i wonder what it was about that time when you when you made that because clearly you'd already done like 194 so like you had yeah you know the soundtrack thing that you already established that's something you like to do but since then you've been pretty soundtrack heavy with all your releases yeah accepting yeah calico brawn and uh, cluster funk which you know, just a little funky EP. It probably wasn't a conscious decision either. It might have just been like, why was like other things I work on at the time? I tend to be a direct sort of rebellion against what I have to do for work. So if I'm working on something that's like soundtracky, then I'll tend to do something that's not, or something that's overproduced, I'll tend to keep it scruffy and in terms of production and stuff. Like, I don't know. Can you trace it back to like a, what you were eating or drinking? Like, were you like more drunk at that time or something? 
<laughs> I can't remember. God, Kakabron. I remember I watched a lot of Miami Vice around then, and I'd never really seen it before. I don't think I've ever seen Miami Vice. It's pretty you know good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm, I, I'm not sure that I have. I, I I feel the same way. It's one of those ones that I know I've seen when it was on, but just like Magnum PI. Yeah, Magnum PI. It's it's one of those <laughs> yeah. ones where I feel like. I've seen them on the TV, but I've never actually focused and sat down and watched them. Yeah, I, I haven't either. I know I've watched some Remington Steel. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like those sort of <laughs> 80s-style uh, shows. The soundtrack of Miami Vice I've listened to. Yeah. Like, I, I've listened to a CD of, like, soundtrack things, so I, I want to go back and watch it just because I should, I think. It's kind of worth it just for the soundtrack, like Jan Hammer's stuff. Yeah. Even, even the CDs or whatever haven't got half the cues, like, because mm-hmm. he was cranking it out, like, something like 20 minutes of music. He had like three days. It was like a three-day turnaround to score each episode, and they're, they're like forty minutes long. That's rough. And then <laughs> he'd he'd do about like twenty minutes of music for each one, and a lot of the time it was like reusing themes and stuff. But still, it's like hell of a job. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, and I didn't have the luxuries of syncing stuff up the way we do now with computers and stuff so it's funny because near the corner where i live there's some people who like in toronto maybe they do this in other cities as well whenever there's like a neighborhood watch sign people yeah. will put stickers of like superheroes and stuff on them <laughs> <laughs> so like it'll be like this neighbor is protected by neighborhood watch and there'll be like a picture of spider-man on it yeah <laughs> or like a diehard and so the one there's one that's near where i live and it's Miami Vice. It's like the picture of uh, Crockett and Tubbs or whatever under the neighborhood oh, yeah. watch thing. I've always been meaning to take a picture. Are there only only one sticker allowed per sign? I, I mean, I don't <laughs> know who's responsible for doing it. Like, it feels like it's like some kids with a good sense of humor. Yeah. But yeah, it's usually just one per sign. And it's always like either an action hero or a comic book character or something. <laughs> That wouldn't last two seconds down here. <laughs> no, I was going to say... Somebody would rip it off there and pee on it and just shoot it with a gun and everything. <laughs> See, that's as much worse than what I was going to say. I was going to say around here, just get, like everything just gets graffitied. <laughs> like, okay, we do have hoodlums as well. <laughs> you got it nice up there. But it's, uh, I think it's one of those things that is just on the verge like you know okay fine like if someone puts up like outside of, of a church and puts up a sign and this, you know it's just like oh believe in the Lord you you know damn well if that thing stays out overnight it's getting fucked with <laughs> but I feel like this one it's someone's put a sticker on a sign and I think the fact that it's like action heroes makes it so it's cool in the way that you wouldn't fuck with it you know what I mean like if you were like even a stupid kid you'd walk by and be like I'm not gonna spray paint over like the Spider-Man like someone's already marked this thing in a way that's fun for everyone <laughs> yeah it's kind of universally appealing yeah. even to people who it, it still it still wouldn't last down. <laughs> <laughs> it's an awesome idea like I love the idea we can't have nice things <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get to Beyond the Infinite in a little bit, but I want to uh, just play another track from City One. And uh, this was a cool one. This was called Dream Sequence 3 Actualized by Dallas Campbell. I'm 
And that was Dream Sequence 3, actualized by Dallas Campbell off the album City One. So there are lots of dream sequences in City One. Yes. So when you were explaining to me how this dude has like some weird trip and his eyes are opened or whatever. So like in, in your idea of the story, like why did that trip happen? He met this woman and that's the... Oh, what is it? It's vapor, what, whatever the heck it's called. <laughs> I forget what it's called. Now I gotta look it up. <laughs> she guided him onto this trip that he did that opened up, you know, his mind and all that. But then he pretty much woke up, you know, out of it and like not, he didn't know where he was, didn't know how to get back there or whatever. The dream sequences are him trying to get back to that point. What was the thought process while you were making it? Like, did you already know, like, oh, this is going to be the song, this is what's happening now in the story, were you just grooving? I get the impression that you groove a lot. Yeah, I do. Once I start grooving, then everything kind of falls together at at a better pace than when I'm originally, like, fumbling around. You know, I'll I'll fiddle around and write some loops and, you know, write a couple songs and whatever, like starts to stick i'll start like bringing up pictures like on my computer while i'm writing music like i had that the album cover of city one my my one of my friends took it sean goddard and i i started to like get the the whole story in my mind after i wrote i think enter the cult and a couple other ones and one of the dream sequences i wrote those first i think and then i got the picture and i started thinking about the whole thing and i kind of just a lot of the songs i was failing in the gap so i had yeah i was i had the whole story in my mind by the end and was kind of filling it in that cover art's awesome though because you had two pictures you might have used if i remember right yeah yeah i had some other ones and they they look rad like i really like that cover it's such a cool photo well thanks (laughs) i really like those is it lomography lomographic yeah, he takes, he'll just get old, outdated film and take the pictures with some crazy old camera. I don't know a ton <laughs> about photography, but, but it's like, like that's what the picture looked like. It wasn't like yeah, yeah. messed with with a computer. Like, that's what it looked like on the film. I went through a phase of it like two years ago or something. I had like this real bad 35 little mil camera. It's just like a point and shoot one. But like, and yeah, I bought a load of expired film for real cheap on eBay and they come out looking real interest in some of them yeah so yeah well, you know it's all gritty looking and i was yeah. like oh i, I got it, yeah. I, got it <laughs> I, can, I can like make an album i know what i need to do now yeah i mean I, i'm starting to get the sense now the reason why i like having you both on at the same time is because of all the you know synth partnerships that you know are happening in the scene and all this stuff <laughs> i really feel like you guys have influenced each other yeah oh definitely yeah without a doubt that's why i like it because like i i mean robin sent me another fucking secret album that <laughs> we're not going to talk about <laughs> for two years no that one will be out by the by the time this airs probably will it probably <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, I keep telling him to put the, to put it out. Okay, it's gonna come out next month. I got the tapes ready. It's like it's good to go. So can I talk about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. It's called the Psychic Zero. That's what I was sort of working towards because uh, in the Psychic Zero, yeah, which is uh, Ogre's, who hopefully will be out now album. <laughs> um, I really got a sense that since you've started doing these collabs with Dallas that you've done a lot more sort of this like that you've released anyways like this more live kind of experimentation with 
old synths and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Especially with, uh, you know, some other stuff that you did as well. And so, like, I'm getting that feeling, that vibe that, like, this collaboration that you you guys have been on has sort of, like, pushed you into this kind of path. And, and then the use of sort of sounds. Because definitely like, the Psychic Zero is definitely, like, one of those that really reminded me. I mean, I, t- I told you this before, but, like, I just watched the... Uh, some very early 80s Doctor Who when they switched <laughs> yeah. over to to be all synth. Yeah. And the Radiophonic Workshop was all synth at that point. And then, and then uh, there is a certain sound and a certain vibe to the music. And that's what it reminded me of was like that era, specifically like 1979 to 81 kind of <laughs> sort of really specific zone. One of the things that Dallas and I both do is we let the synthesizers like inform the music and like the vibe and stuff so a lot like that album i think is largely born out of the beyond the infinite and all hallow stuff like i basically found out if i stick a bass through a delay it sounds cool or it sounds cool to me but kind of like uh, a bit crusty and gritty and stuff so like that whole sound informed that album i think it's just we have like a similar philosophy with music probably about trying to sound too like <laughs> highfalutin about it <laughs> it's just like I don't know half of my synths are like made now like the stuff I've been using recently because my monopoly's under the weather and I've got the rack which is old it's not just stuff from like 79 through 83 pre-midi era stuff that we use but it does have like a vibe for sure of it right well definitely the sounds you've crafted conjure that era like Psychic Zero is awesome like it was like a really cool kind of thing but that was another one where i think my interpretation of your music was slightly different although (laughs) i got i got the main vibe that it was like a man who was sort of like alone like there's a solid there's like he's in solitude in some sort of space yeah but i i interpreted it as what did i think that it was alien that he's somehow in some he's it's like he's being uh I don't know if he's trying to escape, but he's definitely alone, and he's in some sort of facility, but then I I took it to a more ethereal kind of alien place. You were pretty close, though. Like, it's based... Like, that album and two others I've done that will come out, hopefully, afterwards, are all sort of based on J.G. Ballard short stories, and I can't remember all of the names <laughs> off the top of my head, but, like... That one is, yeah, it's about a dude and uh, he's had some sort of breakdown at work and he's been sent off to this facility in the middle of a desert with this one psychiatrist who's administering these drugs to him and it gets real trippy. <clears throat> God, what then? I can't figure the name of it. I'd have to get the book off the shelf. But I can't move because I'm surrounded by <laughs> a microphone. But yeah, I don't know. I really like those short stories and he's one of like my favorite sci-fi writers or writers full stop. Like That one, I think, is a story's from 68 or something but it just kind of transplanted it to a more early 80s vibe musically I guess what's your uh, favorite uh, track on it quite like the last one first of the three I think it's called yep sorry yeah yeah that one I really like that one's a bit of a banger or more of a banger than some of the others <laughs> on the album that's the yeah. one I was gonna pick oh uh, good because <laughs> I was going I, I didn't know if we were gonna talk about it so I did usually I have little my rough notes that say what songs I'm going in so I, I, I scrolled it and I'm just like I'll pick that one but I'll pick another one if he suggests a different one yeah that one was um, so the little delay I was using on the album is this little Korg Monotron delay but like it's real cheap but it's like a real basic analog delay 
um, and that's why I was running the base route. But it was running out of batteries <laughs> by the time I came to tracking that that one. So like, I don't know. It's got this like vibe that comes from things running out of batteries. They like start to play up a bit and yeah. get a bit noisy. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I basically want a stack of sort of running out AA batteries um, yeah. <laughs> now to try and <laughs> replicate that. Like effects pedals do it as well, which is fun. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's listen to it. This is uh, first of the three off the Psychic Zero by Ogre.
And that was First of the Three by Ogre off the album The Psychic Zero, which is hopefully out by the time this episode releases, <laughs> or else you guys just got a fucking preview. Or are listening to a song that's been released three months ago whenever this thing airs. But I'm here with Ogre and Dallas Campbell. And of course, the reason why you're here today, I wanted to make sure we touched on your individual projects. But the the main thing, the awesome thing, you guys did a collaboration on a pretty epic album called Beyond the Infinite, which was a rescoring of 2001. So you wrote literally wall-to-wall music. Yep. for the film and the album is broken up into 35 tracks <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about just how this started I know this is stupid because this technically started before the last time we talked yeah <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but let's go back in time uh, we'll ma- I'll make a sound effect here and we can go back to when you, you decided <laughs> that this was a good idea so that's my time travel noise <laughs> you brought it up I think yeah I think I did I think I just came online to you and was like do you want to rescore the entirety of 2001 Space Odyssey <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I said I said well yeah sure <laughs> let's do it <laughs> and we did and we did well, yeah, well, I, d- I thought it was gonna be like oh yeah we'll do it but it's gonna be like five years from now we'll be like hey you wanna finish this but <laughs> but I think it took us like two weeks or something <laughs> it was like six weeks you sent me like one track and I was like oh yeah this is awesome I think you cut up the cue- some of the scenes and like sent me a scene with the music and I was like alright you-, you hooked me yeah. I'm in <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did it in like six weeks six or seven weeks so how did you go about delegating who got what section we just pick and chose I guess first come first serve yeah <laughs> it's just like Everybody, what do you feel you like doing man <laughs> some of the more significant scenes we collaborated kind of more right on yeah and we did them sort of towards the end yeah beyond the infinite was the big one right the eight minute I think it's eight, eight or nine minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's nine minutes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe my favorite favorite on the whole thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's really neat how, uh, I mean, on the album itself, I mean, I know you guys both did it, and I do hear certain things come in from time to time where I'm just like, okay, I can tell who that is. But for the most part, the sound really does blend. Like, you guys were on the same wavelength, because there's not really too many tracks that, like, stand out where I go. That is specifically Dallas. Except for maybe a few, like, drum samples here and there. Like, I feel like, okay, that sounds like a Dallas kind of drum. Uh, <laughs> I always, I always got to put some kind of stupid, goofy <laughs> drum thing in there. But I can't help it. Yeah, but, like, for the most part, yeah, it all just sort of blends, and it's really cool. And, like, I, as I say, I got to watch it with the movie, and I, I think maybe some of the tracks changed slightly from when I saw it, because I know I saw... Preliminary version Yeah I think so And I I thought it it worked really well Like it was awesome And I hadn't seen 2001 in a few years So it was a neat way to sort of re-experience the movie Uh, That's my story about that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks dude Thanks it was it was very very fun. It was, and we did most of it. Was Dallas on it? You were on your Pro One, and I was on the Mono Valley, and like yeah, that was like most of the sounds on the whole thing from those two guys. So say you go in and and you're picking and choosing, like okay, I want to do 
you know, the monkeys first fucking attack the other monkeys. <laughs> I want to do, I want to do the monolith, and I want to do the reveal of the monolith <laughs> on Jupiter or whatever. So then, I'm just trying to think about the actual process itself. Then, so no one's going to vote for the scene after the cool scene. So then, would you just sort of tackle that as well? Like, do the scene you you wanted to do, and then sort of blend it out with some. You know, a few minutes of music on either end, or I feel like we both got to do the cool scenes. Neither of us, I don't think, really wanted to do the Dawn of Man. <laughs> that was towards the end, and I, I just wound up doing it. Um, <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. That was a long I, I, yeah, one. I did not want to do that, and I think it's my favorite thing on the album, probably. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what I like about it is just the way you're using music as like sound effects. Oh, yeah, it was Dallas who started that. Though it was one of the first ones Dallas did was voice print identification scene and mm. Dallas put in like these really cool like interface sounds and that was like where that idea came from that was all Dallas and that's rad man like I- <laughs> <laughs> well let's listen to uh, this is the track that opens up the album so this is the this is called Overture and this is uh, what happens before the, the movie kicks in so there's a little notice that says the movie's coming <laughs> and uh, they don't really do overtures anymore do they? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a fact about that. I mean, not the overtures, but like the black two minutes at the start of the movie is apparently Kubrick's trying to make us like look at the monolith, apparently. Right, right, right. I don't right. know if it's true or not, but <laughs> it seems like the sort of thing he might do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to listen to it. So this is Overture by Dallas Campbell and Ogre. Wait, do you say Dallas Campbell and Ogre on this album or do you say Rob and Ogre? I don't know. I think it's Ogre for release purposes. <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote that one. Just do Ogre and die. <laughs> <laughs>
and that was Overture by Ogre and Dallas Campbell from the album Beyond the Infinite, a rescoring of 2001. So, how has been the the response? I think it's been good. Yeah. I think it's been good. Posi- very positive, yeah. We've had some very nice reviews and really nice feedback from people and stuff, so really happy about that. I mean, I remember you guys were con- sort of concerned about the legality of it, which I don't think it's an issue, right? Unless you actually, like, sold 2001 with your soundtrack on it. Right. Yeah. Is that true? Like, like if you just write a piece of music and say it's inspired by 2001, like, there's nothing... As far as we know... We did check on th- some things. Yeah. I... <laughs> I remember emailing it was just when we started doing it I emailed the organization for transformative works in America and they seemed to think it was like fine slash a slightly gray area but I think we're fine but that's only if you released the movie with your soundtrack right? I don't know if we'd called it something completely different and it wasn't like if we'd said it wasn't a rescore then it would still be the same music <laughs> do you know what right. I mean like it would still be the same thing it would still you'd still be able to put that with the film if someone wanted to right but essentially if it's in their ballpark like I mean it's in it's in the listeners you know they can put it together themselves yeah yeah if if someone was so inclined they could yeah so I, I it's it's one of those things it doesn't it sounds to me like it's completely okay I'd hope so yeah, but, but I'm just like, I'm, I would just be like, what would anyone say if it wasn't? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So then what we just have to be like, well, instead of Beyond the Infinite, we're calling it Beyond the Spaceship. There you go. Like, <laughs> done. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird. Because what about when they'll be like, oh, if you play this Pink Floyd album over Alice in Wonderland or whatever, you know, like, does that make that album a transformative work? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Basically. You guys aren't lawyers? Is that what? <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think we're all right, but... Yeah. Does talking about this trouble you? <laughs> it does. You know, it does a little bit. <laughs> no, we're fine. We're fine. We're 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 way, we're fine. I just don't see why you wouldn't be. Apart from you on the street selling Blu-rays of the film <laughs> with your soundtrack embedded into the picture and saying, "Here's a thing I made." Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I could see that being a problem. Yeah, of course. Because when they talk about transformative works, I mean, like I've never really heard that term. I mean, transformative works is a good term that just like means a fan work essentially like or it gets applied to anything from like game mods you know like people who mod games right and stuff even if they don't want to sell the mod or something it's still like a grey area but they're still making something new and it works independent like uh, at least our rescore it like it works independently of the film as a standalone piece of music so. but see your rescore is a completely original thing other than it's it had, takes its inspiration from the timing of a picture yeah but but apart from that i mean i see it so differently than like for example like a fan edit of a movie yeah like when they whenever they do fan edits of star wars or lord of the rings or something it'll always have this little thing at the start that says as long as you own these on dvd you know you can download this fan edit because they're literally <laughs> yeah. they're literally taking the thing and then fucking reconfiguring it like a Rubik's Cube or whatever. But, like, <laughs> you guys have just made original music. Yeah. Right. And you're not using any of the... I mean, I suppose if I wrote a book fucking with Frodo in it, <laughs> that it would be like, hey, man, it's not Lord of the Rings. But it's like, yeah, but you're using the character of Frodo. Like, I mean, you... 
I wonder if you could call a character Frodo. Can you do that? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> if they're not a hobbit, like it's just a guy called like Stephen Frodo or something. There was that um, parody book, uh, like it was like terrible. I remember my brother getting it like off someone at Christmas once. I think it was called, and I think it was Bilbo actually, like Bilbo Braggins or something. Sounds great. <laughs> it's called Board of the Rings. It was like a parody hmm. of Lord of the Rings or whatever. But Parodies are very, very funny. They seem to get away with it. Oh. <laughs> well, see, because then... So there is that distinction between a transformative work and parody, because there's parody law. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that get covered by parody law. So I think that's how they get away with all those, like, pornos where, like, all the people are, like, dressed up like Marvel superheroes. As long as the logo isn't quite the same, that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're making a, an HD remake of Skyrim. And I'm gonna. Oh buy yeah, it. no, I saw, I saw it the other like day. Like a nerd, even though I already put like hundreds of hours into that game, I'm gonna play it again in a slightly higher definition. <laughs> I think you got a free coffee. No, only if you're a PC owner. Oh, because PC owners, if they have super powerful computers, could have probably already ready played uh, in Super HD. <laughs> an awesome game. What have you been playing, Dallas? Uh, board games. Yeah. <laughs> Machi Cora, Cora, something like that. What is that? Some sort of city building game. Dice, city, numbers, family fun. <laughs> we played a good one the other week. There's this cafe that's opened up in a city called Board Cafe. Mm. Board of the Rings. <laughs> and you go in and you, you, you can play board games in there and they've got a real good selection. But we played one that was also a city building game. I might have to consult. What was it? What was it called? The city building game that we played. The one that no, doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the, board, the board game we played the other week. Suburbia. There you go. That was, that was, I should have remembered that. It's not exactly an obscure name. You said board game. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So I just had to consult with my lady father. Suburbia is. I've never heard of a city building board game how does that work suburbia you just had like it was all on hexagons and you had to build like various real estate sort of things but you couldn't put up next to other things that would devalue the worth of your city and that sort of stuff had to build like green spaces and redevelop i think they're called brown sites like old industrial sites and stuff it was fun it was a good game doesn't sound very good <laughs> from my description <laughs> but Maybe it was because I was very drunk. I don't know, but it was uh, it was a fun night. Dallas, is that how your Japanese game works? Uh, it's sort of like Catan Bingo, kind of. <laughs> you <laughs> you roll a six sided die, and the cards all have different numbers at the top, and they you take coins based on which cards you have. So you try to like you know cards are numbered one through twelve, and then you roll the die, and if the, the number corresponds to the card, then you get that amount. Right. So you try to build. You can either like hoard mm. by all the convenience stores, which is number four. <laughs> I remember that because that's what my wife does. <laughs> or you can you know spread it out. It's pretty cool. Pretty fun. I was trying to design a board game last summer. Oh yeah, we do that at, 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 as well, which is awesome. I was trying to figure out a game that's like it probably exists but i'm gonna build one anyways so it's like it's kind of like a monopoly type game or at least a monopoly type board uh-huh. my hometown is like this kind of silly place to be so it's about escaping there so it's, <laughs> it's gonna be filled with a bunch of like local references but then the idea is sort of like a board game but then it has a poker kind of aspect to it where you have to build a vehicle to leave 
So like you roll <laughs> around the board and then you get money or tokens or whatever and then you trade them in for like car cards. But like so there'd be cards like like in uh, Monopoly how there's like community chest and chance and stuff. And you flip them over and then you get like a vehicle card. And essentially there's all these different kinds of vehicle cards so you have to get four of a kind to build your own vehicle. And then then once you have a fully formed vehicle you roll to the exit and you get on the highway <laughs> and then you can leave town. Uh. But then there's like a poker aspect to the game because you can challenge other people for their cards because obviously you don't want them to leave. So if someone has a fully formed car, you you want to challenge them. So I wanted there cuz I was we were playing Risk at the time too, so I wanted there to be some sort of a battle system. Yeah. Where uh, if you land on a certain space, you can, like, challenge somebody else to, like, a dice roll. And if you win, you get to, like, swap one of their cards, like, of your choice with one of your cards. Right. So then you're also trying to build up a deck. So there's, like, this kind of poker aspect, but also a risk aspect that there's, like, these kind of battles that kind of happen. You should make the cards the parts of the car. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. Okay. So basically, right. you have to get four of a kind, but you don't know what you're going to get until you flip the card over. Okay. So it's like, say it says pick up a car card, you know, you pick one up, but you have to just pick it from the top of the deck and you might get the front of a bicycle and then your next card is like the middle of a van. And then you want to then assemble a good hand, which is four of a kind vehicle card. So you make, and it would form a picture of a bicycle. And then once you have all four, then that gives you the ability to leave unless someone challenges you along the way and steals one of your pieces. But we got to test it out uh, because we, we did a bit of testing and we were like kind of forming the board as we were testing yeah and of course if if we build a game that doesn't end then we'll obviously like change the rules to make it you know and fit within like a <laughs> half an hour 40 minute framework that sounds cool though it's a fun thing to do every christmas we like buy an obscure board game from like the 70s yeah. <laughs> and take it take it over to dublin for christmas to play and the best find is the one that we keep playing like every year is one called Rat Race and it's like it's a bit like Monopoly but very classist right. like you have like three you have three rings and like lower class middle class and upper class and you start in lower class having just finished university just like real so life so it's not subtle then is the point no, no it's terrible and like the only way you can move up a class is by getting acquiring status symbols from each class and and <laughs> and a certificate of education or you can have a society wedding to move up class <laughs> but then as you go up like the the board gets smaller so you get more money because you go around faster because you're in a higher class or whatever but you can always land on divorce and if you get divorced you like lose everything <laughs> and have to go back down to the start but like it is it has provided so much fun like it's like terrible but like I don't know the status symbols of stuff like a washing machine <laughs> and when you get up to the top there's like a sports car for Donna I don't know who Donna is but <laughs> yeah well, that's awesome that sounds fun hey, listen we should listen to another song here I guess this would be from the fucking Dawn of Man part is my telephone ringing hold on I gotta grab my phone okay <laughs> professionalism abounds today <laughs> oh man board games yeah we we <laughs> I, we have this large uh, coffee table from Ikea yeah. that's uh, real flat, and uh, we make, like, Old West games. Yeah. We have these little characters, and we set, you, you know, we can either flick a checker, or we have this, like, angle that you can shoot a marble at each other. Oh, nice. <laughs> and we have all these rules, and we have this bag where you can get weapons, and it's all the letters from Yahtzee. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or wait, all the, all the letters from Scrabble, I mean. All the letters correspond to a different kind of weapon which is like you get to 
angle like four marbles at a time at each other and it we make up all kind of crazy games. What did I miss? Actually, hold on. Let's. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll pick this up after I play the track. So uh, this is a track. Uh, it's called Primitive Weapons Two. And uh, what what I really liked about this one was that crazy ar- arpeggiator that comes in. I don't know if you guys even. It's hard for you to remember. It's thirty five songs. No, I do. That's the one. It's the. It'll be the Monopoly run through uh, sp- through the Spring Reverb, I think. Yeah, it's a cool, cool thing. So uh, we're going to listen to that now. And this is Primitive Weapons 2. And that was Primitive Weapons 2, off Beyond the Infinite. And I'm here with Dallas Campbell and Ogre, and we're talking about board games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we we geek out on it. We have a big table, and we'll make uh, games where you use marbles on, like, an angle, and you have to shoot them each other, and, like, we'll build, like, houses out of blocks, and you gotta, like, get behind there and be shooting at each other. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, like, get different weapons and, like, roll, like, ten checkers at a time, and if you hit, you know, we just... <laughs> 
<laughs> we're, we're, we're pretty geeky. It's, it's fun, though. I never thought of it as an activity until literally, like, in the summertime. Because I, I wanted to make a Monopoly clone. Uh, just, I don't know why. It just... Something I wanted to do. And and then as we started, like, you know, we got the big scrap paper out and drew our board on it and drew all the spaces and then just grabbing whatever we could find to be pieces and using just old decks of cards as currency or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I really enjoyed it. Like, I had a lot of fun. Just like, you know, we'd come up with rules and then we'd kind of play around and go... Man, like we've been around the fucking board like four times, and like I didn't land on anything, and then we start adding things <laughs> on the board to make it more interesting, and it's a fun process. That was great. I have a long history of making board games. That's I, I made like a Hellraiser game when I was in high school. Oh, nice. Where it was kind of like that, where you you'd go to the center and get all these bonuses, and then you'd go. I had like Chatterbox, like all the different Cenobites in the corner. You had to go fight them and get a. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was real into it, and I had them all. Laminated and cards laminated and like <laughs> does that does that still exist? I think it got destroyed in a flood. Oh, <laughs> but I had like a. Uh, I remember one year I made a uh, an Olympic. Not, what is it? Gymnast. You were you were like a teenage gymnast. I did it for like a party night, and you had to like not make sure you like the, some of the spaces were like gain five pounds, like and that was like bad. Like, you could, and you had to like win. I don't even remember. Like it was just a terrible. Like this, like I can't even remember. I don't, but yeah, any of that. That stuff's fun making board games. I've not made one, but last year a Secret Santa thing. Our friend Caron got a board game about him it was called Kerongo someone made him a custom game as a yeah gift. yeah yeah and it had like a full board and stuff but he split into teams it was all basically really hard film trivia <laughs> like everyone was fucking <laughs> terrible at it but like well, this this year if if anyone gets him or even like not we're gonna make expansion packs nice to go with it like more <laughs> trivia yeah like because now um there's websites devoted to it because once i started building or like trying to plan the board i'm like how would i get this printed and then there's all websites that are all dedicated to printing board games mm-hmm. for people who make their own custom games and stuff. Yeah. I think the reason why I was inspired this time was it was playing Risk and I realized like I love the idea of a board game but I do like there to be a battle system but I like it to be not as hardcore as like Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I want a little experience where you can have a little battle system like a game of Risk and stuff but I don't necessarily want a game that can potentially last as long as Risk. Yeah, because Risk can take ages. And I also like RPG like role-playing elements so when i first started building the board i actually wanted to be the kind of game where you also acquire ability cards yeah you know what i mean and then you would have a space on the board so say it's like a four-player game like each player takes a side and so there's like you know little dotted squares where you can put your attribute cards you get and stuff because i like that sort of shit but then it's all about that balance of just i wanted to have these hardcore elements but i also want it to be a game that's done in 40 minutes and like how can you how do you do it <laughs> yeah well I, I really want to play dungeons and dragons i've uh, like dallas and i've talked about this <laughs> before <laughs> um, yeah i play i'm yeah. in i want to play we need a dungeon master here. we can play with skype <laughs> That'd be a fucking ridiculous thing to do. Do it over Skype, but uh, record it. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> we'll do, do a podcast where we all play like a round of D&D or something. One, yeah. One night every month or... Who's the GM? How does it work, though? Because I've, I've honestly never played. I mean, I've, I've seen shows that parody Dungeons & Dragons. One person is the game master. Yeah. Either, well, you have like a module, I think it's called. You can do different modules or, so, or like the missions or whatever. But the the one person is in charge of like all the shit that happens. And they need to have read everything. And they gotta know the <laughs> rules and all that shit. But then who establishes the rules? Is that in a book? The book. The book. It's generally in a book. Yeah. But it kind of, yeah, the it's to their interpretation, I think, a little bit. Oh, but the thing that would fail, though, because if you were over Skype, how would you know what the other people were rolling? Honesty. <laughs> I don't know. This is like some online dice roller. Oh, right, yeah. There has to be, right? There has to be some sort of online Dungeons & Dragons thing where we all see like a little... It's like... uh like frustration, you know, when there was just a dice and like a little cup in the oh, middle yeah, of the and board a little bubble and like, thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> maybe, probably. Maybe, maybe we should do this. Probably exists. <laughs> Let's listen to another track. <laughs> and then we'll continue this Dungeons and Dragons nonsense. This was a track called uh, Two Clavius, which is a cool song. And this is one of those ones that sort of switches gears. It's tricky picking songs off this album because I want to play Beyond the Infinite, but it's a nine-minute song. (laughs) (laughs) So I just feel weird about all of a sudden cutting to like a nine-minute track. But uh, I'm going to play this one. This is Two Clavius. And this is a cool track just because I like it. It sort of starts out with like synth pads and then halfway through it sort of like switches gears. So here it is. Two Clavius.
And that was To Clavius off the album Beyond the Infinite. And I'm here with the guys who wrote it. Dallas Campbell and Ogre, a.k.a. Robin Ogden. We are talking about planning some sort of virtual Dungeons & Dragons game. <laughs> <laughs> Need a Dungeon Master, Game Master person. Yeah. Is the point that the Dungeon Master makes stuff up, like that can't be something that can be virtual? Yeah, their role is, big, is a little bit bigger. I think they have to kind of... I think they make stuff up a little. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not a thing that you could like use some sort of like AI as like a randomly generating Dungeon Master? Well, we talked about this. Yeah, <laughs> that was Dallas's we, idea. We were, we were like drunk... <laughs> drunk messaging each other and I was like dude what if they used like AI technology and made the uh, the ultimate dungeon master <laughs> you know when you like have heard the nerdiest thing <laughs> that was it <laughs> <laughs> what if they get AI to make the perfect dungeon master? <laughs> and I was like, I know a dude that would know. And I t- and I like message him at like two in the morning, and he didn't text me. He didn't like message me back. <laughs> that was he's a like, scene. He like works for Raytheon. Like he, he's like some big programmer, like management head. Yeah, he he, he didn't care about it. <laughs> uh. I'm definitely going to research this, though. This seems like a fun idea. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Yeah, why not? Someone's had to do that. This, that has to exist. That we find someone we know who could be a game master. I guess the only thing now, the missing element, is the virtual dice, which would have to be some sort of app that we could all see. I wonder, there must be, maybe there's like a website, but then, yeah, what I'm thinking is there'd have to be a website where we all see that same dice roll live. I guess, or... If you didn't know the outcome before you rolled it, that you'd, like... I mean, I trust you guys, to be honest, anyway. (laughs) There has to be something in some chat thing, like a random roll generator or something. Like, in an app or something, there has to be. Hey, you know what? Hold on. I'm gonna go... I'm gonna check Firefox. That seems like something, like, Google Hangouts would do. Yeah, 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 something like that. I'm gonna type in Google Hangouts virtual dice to help. This is the geekiest, <laughs> beyond Maybe the geekiest thing. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hangouts for gaming. Google Hangouts on desktop. Type slash roll two d six for two six sided dice. You can set how many dice and how many sides, including d twenty for your D and D players. The output shows the total and face value of each die. Cool. It exists. So now the only question is the fucking, uh, is the dungeon master. Yeah. I don't know people that play, and I feel like whenever I've met them, they're a sort of certain type of person that I wouldn't necessarily want to play with. You know, like when you... Well, there's... All right. The undesirables. Well, no, I said this before. <laughs> this is a thing, like, I feel like there is a specific, you know, when, when you, when there's certain people that you hang out with, and you're like, okay, these are my people or whatever, and I feel like... Like the synthwave community has come like the closest to that for me personally. Yeah, which I think is it's it's almost boiling down to like an age range where it's like we have we have uh, you know the same touch zones. Like even though Dallas you're older and, and Ogre you're younger, it's like we still sort of exist in the same zone where we have a lot of the same references and stuff like that. And even though I find with the synthwave stuff there is a, a nerdy component to it like that's definitely a part of it I find that it's it's slightly muted compared to what I would call pure nerds <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't to disparage them it's just that whenever I've been around pure nerds 
I do feel like I'm outmatched. Like, I'm just like, okay, you guys are a little, like, too... Like, I felt that way. Like, I, I talked about this a long time ago, but I, there was a period of time where I went to these, like, Doctor Who meetups. Mm, yeah, I remember you telling me. And I haven't been there in, like, two years, mainly because my podcast airs the same night that they have their meetup. I was like, okay, I'm a super nerd for Doctor Who. I've got a fucking shelf full of, like, thousands of dollars of DVDs. Certainly, I would like going to a place and talking to Doctor Who with people. Talking about Doctor Who. Yeah. And then when I went to it, I... I, I've suddenly felt like, oh no, you guys are like on another level. Like, <laughs> even though anybody else who, who would walk in and talk to me would be like, oh, you're a super nerd for liking this show or whatever. When you see like pure nerds, then it was like, oh wow, like, I mean, I really like this show and I'm, I'll gladly sit down and talk to somebody about it, but I don't really want to have those like weird technical minutiae conversations about like <laughs> who the second unit director was and people just almost have the show memorized like like it's a like it's a spreadsheet in their brain yeah like episode to episode or something yeah it's like it's like it's then it becomes not about conversation about the merits of the storylines it becomes or, about how many facts you can recall exactly guess, and, and, and it's, it's just like anytime you say something it's like oh i don't like when they do this like well actually in the 1967 <laughs> uh they did that same storyline like okay i know the show went for a long time there's going to be a lot of references that contradict each other and like so that's my point right so if you think you're into some there's always somebody that's gonna take it to another level <laughs> it <laughs> with is, everything it is nice when you find people who are on like the same amount into something as you are though yeah. like who you can talk <laughs> about like we're moderate fringe nerds i think so like because the thing is i like all that stuff like i want to play a game of dungeons and dragons but i want to play it with people i think the thing with synthwave and this whole synth scene, people seem to be more nerds for a time as opposed to necessarily nerds for the specific things. It's like, we all like these things, but it's more about just the era that they sort of came from and how the things were done and stuff. And so maybe there's a bit of nerdi nerdiness towards the, the technical aspect of making the music and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nerdy. It is nerdy. Because Robin, I know for a fact, like when I talk to you, like you are pretty nerdy when it comes to yeah. the technical music stuff. But yeah. It, yeah. But, but it translates <laughs> but it translates to art, which is awesome. Do you see what I mean? Like Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Whereas it's not just about you like learning all this stuff so that you can have a nerdy conversation with me about all the, uh, yeah, the different uh, plugins or whatever, the different uh, permutations of sound. It doesn't matter, does it? Like at the end of the day, like no one's gonna know. I mean like as much as I love gear and I love music tech and production and stuff, like no one's gonna know what reverb I use. Or calf, really. Like, <laughs> or, you know. Maybe the difference is that there is an artistic output in the scene. Maybe that's the difference. There is still a nerdiness there, but it's like the end result is music. And so sometimes the deeper you get, the nerdier you get, strengthens your tool set. You know, instead of it just being like facts and figures, it's 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 moving towards something. And then Dallas, when you post those videos of you like you know grooving and like just you know like tweaking knobs <laughs> and things like this, you know, like yeah, there's this weird sort of nerdiness collection of gear thing, but it's like being channeled through, and then there's like an energy to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. True. I think now I agree. Like I think we're both about the process. But at the end of the day, like, it's all about making something good. 
at the end of it if that makes any sense like we get really into making the music yeah 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 and, yeah. The, and the stuff yeah, we're we, using to make the stuff yeah it takes forever like setting it all up and like getting it to work but like <laughs> sounds good yeah. <laughs> Dallas have you ever like picked up a keyboard and then it didn't work when you got it home like I'm just imagining one day you're just like so excited to test out a piece of equipment you ordered and then you bring it home and it's just like this old thing that doesn't work oh yeah of course oh yeah I've gotten them uh, you know you get them off eBay and they're all a mess. You've had a few DOA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had a few. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to know a tech guy that's uh, that's pretty cool. And I know one now. I, it's it's taken me like two years or something. By finally, <laughs> Robin hasn't been able to use his monopoly for like how long? Like a year at least since November <laughs> last November. Wait, wasn't that the one you won? Yeah, it's the one I got given. Yeah, but it like needs a service. But I finally found this guy. Basically, I bought this tape delay from the '60s. That's like. It's it's like one of the few real vintage bits of kit you can get in the UK for cheap because they were made in England and there's like a stack of them around in varying degrees of workingness. But I got one, it looked great, and it turns out it was in great condition, but they didn't wire an earth on them in the 60s because, I don't know, health and safety wasn't a thing back then. <laughs> so Wait, sorry, sorry, they didn't what? They didn't wire a ground or an earth on the plug. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So the whole thing was supposed to be grounded by your amplifier because it was like, made for guitars originally, I guess. It's like one of the first tape delays, so yeah, it was like complete like death trap if anything inside had come loose at all and touched mm. a metal chassis as soon as you turn it on like you'd get 240 volts of mains current <laughs> you know going free <laughs> so i found I, I emailed a guy i found someone who actually services tape decks here or it said online they did like in my city and i messaged him was like uh can you fix this and he's like no i'm not fixing things anymore and i was like well could you recommend someone who can and he did so Hopped on the train for like 40 minutes and was a, a dude like not very far away. He just put a new plug on it, made sure it was all safe and turned out it was all working. But he does sense as well. So yeah, <laughs> and finally get someone to fix the monopoly up. That's going to be a dying breed of person. Yeah, that's the thing. There's like a couple of companies in the UK can do it, but I didn't really want to post it if I could help it. But then right, right. I, I know Dallas sends all of his stuff like down to Florida from where he is in the post so yeah it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> the postage is just awful yeah that must be nuts does US mail I feel like whenever I've ordered stuff if it came from the states they don't do tracking numbers can you get tracking numbers oh yeah you can get tracking numbers but the USPS tracking numbers are usually not very accurate right <laughs> the UPS and FedEx you get tracking numbers then you gotta pay like an extra hundred bucks if you're like shipping a keyboard oh yeah yeah it's, it costs me like a hundred when I want to send something somewhere. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> but <laughs> it does suck. That's that's the bit. Everybody talks about all vintage gear. You gotta have vintage gear, but this is what you gotta deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's shitty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to get into synthesizers, there's no don't buy vintage gear. There's <laughs> there's no point. I mean, just all that new stuff sounds great, and it's not gonna break down on you. It does. Whenever I go to the music store. I think there was a Moog the other day. It's like an $8,000 keyboard. And it sounded so cool. <laughs> like, what was it? Just, Can you remember? I don't, I don't even remember. It, was, it wasn't even a full... I feel like maybe it was like a 24 key or a 48. Like, it wasn't like a full 
giant one, but it wasn't super tiny either. I'm trying to think of the name of it. I know that it was eight thousand bucks. So if I go to the website, and look at Moog Voyager one. Yeah, one of those Voyager thingies. Yeah, they look Probably. they look pretty shiny. The demo sound they had when I walked in and played it was just this really awesome fat bass synth sound. And it was like, and I was like, oh yeah, I fucking love that sound so much. <laughs> so, I do like I I use a lot of like new newer synths as well. Well, I mean, certainly you can probably manipulate them to make old sounds. Oh yeah, well it's all the same like tech, but what I was going to say is the the new ones, they're all um, surface mount technology, which means they use like really tiny electronic components inside on the circuit boards which means in like 20 years or something when you need to get that serviced it's going to be a pain because the parts are so small. Right. Maybe people will be able to do it better than like technology will move on for servicing I'm sure, but... Some tiny dude with like micro tools. Very tiny soldering iron. (laughs) You go to <laughs> you, you, you track him down. You go to his apartment. It's at the end of the hallway, and the door is like half the size of all the other doors. And it's just this little dude with like this miniature apartment. You can get it's in those tiny soldier irons. You can get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we can uh, we can probably wrap this up. I'm going to play one more track, and then maybe we'll. Uh, We'll, we'll have some closing statements. How about that? <laughs> Sounds high pressure. All right. So this is, uh, this is a cool track. This one's called Rescue Mission, which I feel I hear some Dallas Campbell beats oh, yeah, that's in this a, one. That's an old Dallas track, that one. Uh, and this this one's cool. Is that on me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, it is. Probably. Uh, yeah, but anyway, this is a cool song, and, uh, and we're going to listen to it right now, man. So this is Rescue Mission off Beyond the Infinite.
And that was Rescue Mission from Beyond the Infinite. And we've been talking today with Dallas Campbell and Ogre, a.k.a. Robin Ogden, who made this awesome album, Beyond the Infinite. You can uh, sync it up to uh, a certain film. And uh, it's pretty cool, man. So uh, what's coming up, guys? I feel weird because if this show airs in September, I imagine each (laughs) of you are going to have like 10 other albums that are going to be out by the time we're... (laughs) talking but uh what's uh, what's some stuff coming up we're reviewing a master for a project that we can't talk about <laughs> right today but who knows it might be out by the and time then we're working on another project we can't talk about <laughs> <laughs> those are my favorite we'll have written something like eight hours of music together in the space of a year like what a year and a half Something like that. It's something crazy. Some insane amount of music. Like I don't know. I don't know how we do it, really. I'm just trying. I just try to keep up with you because <laughs> you've written like four albums, four or six albums. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot <laughs> waiting to come out. But yeah, Psychic Zero will be out. All Hallows cassettes will be either still available or long gone. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we might if it goes well. We might hopefully, do hopefully, long gone. Hopefully, long gone. <laughs> Those were some cool cassettes. <laughs> I need to need to stick one on the deck this evening and just check it out because interested to hear. Like, because I haven't heard the, this album on on tape yet. Mm. <laughs> so they always sounds kind of interesting. That's exciting. Yeah, gonna give it a spin. Pretty excited about that. And Dallas will be getting his copy soon. Cool. How many copies do you guys get? We get five each. Mm. I thought it was five between the two of us. <laughs> Originally. How is that going to work? <laughs> well, I was, Dallas was going to get three and I was going to get two. Because he was going to give one to Dave Klug, who did the mastering for us. Klug! Klug, yeah. I just love saying <laughs> that name. Yeah, that's that's what people do to him. You just yell <laughs> Klug! Klug! <laughs> Dave does. He does all our mastering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the best. Yeah, if I had a buddy named Klug, that's I'd be saying that all the time. Definitely. <laughs> feels feels good. <laughs> feels good to have a Klug to yell at. <laughs> you guys got any parting words? My parting words would be... <laughs> Just thanks for having us on here. Well, it's always fun to have you guys on, man. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah. I don't think I have any wisdom to drop. I'm not I'm not very wise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're wise. Shut up. Uh, Dallas yeah, you know is the wise on, man. guy. He's the wise guy. He's very wise. Uh, he is. He's like a sage. The sage dude who's like permanently chill. <laughs> just because I'm, wa- I'm just like drinking wine all the time. <laughs> That's, <laughs> uh, That's just a facade. <laughs> no, thanks for having us, dude. It's been a pleasure as as always. And this is the second. Right. This is the second time Dallas and I have ever spoken. You mean you guys haven't spoken in between yep. the interim? Nope. 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 So like literally like every time you guys finally talk, it's always on this show. Yeah. When, when we were when we were waiting for you to come, he's like, "You want to talk?" I'm like, "Ah." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like cleaning. I don't. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Well, it's been fun, man, and we'll uh, we'll have you back because I know you have like 10 more things uh, coming out so you'll definitely uh, be back on the show again man sweet man, cool man <laughs> anyways <laughs> all right. take care guys alright take care man bye man <laughs> 
And that was my conversation with Dallas Campbell and Ogre. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I did. I had a fun chat with them. A lot of fun. And uh, tune into the show next time, where my guest will be somebody. I should. <laughs> I feel bad even saying that because it's like. <laughs> I've been so busy these past few weeks that if I don't get time to edit an interview, then there won't be a guest. So even saying the guest is somebody might still be a spoiler, because it might not be, and then it'll be disappointing. But I'm, I'm fairly certain I'll, I'll, get to, I'll get the work done. Let's hope so anyways. All right, guys, thank you very much for tuning in to Beyond Synth, and I'll see you next time. I'm 